Well, hello, everybody. So good morning. Welcome to Portico Church. Um, I'd like to extend a special welcome to any of you who are new. So regardless of what your spiritual background is, if you're just checking things out, you're highly skeptical of Christianity, or you've been following Jesus for a long time, uh, you are most welcome here. And here what we're all about is uniting people to life in Jesus Christ. So not just on Sunday, uh, but also equipping you to live in the joy that Jesus gives you in how you work throughout the week. So whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're whether you have a vacation outside the home. So, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Steve, and I'm the lead pastor of the Clarendon campus that meets on Sunday nights. And every six to eight weeks or so, me and lead pastor Jason Connor, who leads this campus in Portico at large, uh, we swap pulpits or give each other a break. And so I'm stepping in for Jason this morning. Uh, he's out with his wife on a trip this week, and so it's always a joy uh, when I get to worship with you guys. So it's great to be here with you all. So. Um, Let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, today we're doing a one-off sermon, and then next week we're going to start a new series in Philippians. So go ahead and jump into the book of Deuteronomy today. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. And if you don't own a Bible, please just grab one from the back. You can keep it. Uh, that'll be our gift to you. And many of you, even churchgoers, may not know where Deuteronomy is because it comes after Leviticus. And Leviticus is probably the most popular grave site for aspiring would-be Bible-in-a-year readers. You know, you get halfway through it, and, uh, okay, I'll try again next year. So, but Deuteronomy uh, comes after Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay, fifth book in the Bible, uh, chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. So please just read along with me, and then we'll jump in. <clears throat> Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath holy. This is God's word. So, um... One of the one of the things that one-off sermons are good for is to uh, take some time to look at a blind spot that that we have as a church. And so, first, let me encourage you guys, and that you all do so many things well that encourage me. Um, for example, you all love one another in community well, uh, giving generously of your money to care for each other, um, caring for people who have intense emotional and physical needs. I know you guys are also growing in the area of hospitality, as you all reading Gospel Comes with a House Key, and you're community groups and realizing, oh, yes, um, opening up my living space to those who aren't in my inner ring of favorite people is, is a clear gospel imperative of, of following Jesus. So um, you guys are doing so well in so many things, responding to what Jesus has done for you. Um, but a, a huge area that we really need to grow in as a church is Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. And I, I, want, you to ta- I want you to take this seriously because uh, we're, we're awful at it, and it, it, it's one of the Ten Commandments. So, so, so the Ten Commandments reflect God's good character, and are there for God's people throughout all time and place. And what's interesting is often in the church, so if, if you're in a, you know, say, a group of other believers, and, and somebody says something like, you know, I've just been really struggling with uh, murder and not committing adultery, 
you don't, you don't respond by saying, oh, yeah, you know, just I, I really struggle with that too, okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. Let, let's meet up again next week. No, you, you'd step in there, right, as you should. But then when it comes to Sabbath rest, if, you, if someone says, oh, yeah, just I work too much, or I just have a really hard time rest, resting, you go, yeah, yeah, me too. I just, I, I can't, I can't rest. And so, please take this seriously, and I, I hope that you walk out of here um, practicing regular Sabbath rest where you delight in the fact that God has freed you from slavery, from bondage, and, and you delight in God. Okay, so um, as, we, as we look at this, this idea of Sabbath today, uh, we'll look at it under just two headings. First, we'll look at why does God command Sabbath rest? Why is he, why is he commanded? His laws always have a good purpose. And then number two, we'll get very practical and look at some practical applications. Okay, so first, why does God command Sabbath rest? And then number two, how do we actually apply it? And as we jump into why God commands it, um, first a little asterisk. I didn't know where else to put this, so I'm putting it right here. Um, as we walk through it, as we walk through this, uh, an easy thing to think as we're going through this is, oh, God hates work. And yeah, sure, Pastor Steve, you're a pastor, so you're telling me to stop working too much throughout the week and, and focus on Sabbath. But no, note, note that God starts it off by saying, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Okay, so work matters. Work is very important. What you do outside of the church matters deeply, and God uses it. However, so few of you ignore the second half, which is to actually rest, that that's what we're focusing on today. Okay, so first, why, why does God command Sabbath rest? So the the, the context here matters, and one of the reasons why we chose Deuteronomy as opposed to Exodus uh, for the Ten Commandments is because Israel is about to enter into the Promised Land. And so Moses is reminding them of the Ten Commandments he gave them 40 years prior at Mount Sinai. And why is he doing this? Well, because as they enter the Promised Land, the, the land is going to be very fertile, and they're going to prosper. And God knows that it's always a tendency of the human race, when you are prospering, to forget God in everything that he's done for you. Okay, so we see this here in Arlington all the time. So, so Moses is saying, remember who saved you and these good laws that he gave you to do. So then he starts walking through the Ten Commandments, and then he gets to the fourth commandment, Sabbath rest. And now note why God tells them to Sabbath. Okay, this is one of the commandments where, where he gives them a reason. The other ones he just says it. You shall not murder, you shall not steal. But see what he says in verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So you see what God's saying? He's saying, you were a slave, and a slave has no choice but to submit to endless labor. So what, what God's saying is, if you can't step away from your work, if you can't put it down, if you can't put boundaries around your work, whether it's inside the home or outside the home, you're a slave. You're a slave to your need to produce. You're a slave to your need to justify yourself. You're a slave to the need to short security for yourself. You're a slave if you can't step away. And what's even more, more intriguing and powerful here is at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So what God is doing is he's contrasting himself with the gods of Egypt. He's saying, I'm the Lord your God. You used to serve other gods in Egypt. I'm the true God. And you know what the gods of Egypt did? The gods of Egypt demanded endless production and then legitimated that work system. 
This is why, why Pharaoh was constantly asking for more bricks, more production, more work. And, and they drove the Israelites into the ground. And so the Israelites only had value to the degree that they were producing bricks for Pharaoh's supply cities. And Pharaoh only felt secure to the degree that, that Egypt was producing. And so what, what God is saying is your value used to be entwined with your production, but no longer. Because I've redeemed you, your value and your security comes from the fact that I cherish you, that I've liberated you from slavery, and so don't be a slave. Stop submitting yourself to to voluntary bondage. And and friends, you you breathe the air, especially here in Arlington, D.C., of a culture that that embodies a, a tragic irony. And that that tragic irony is, on the one hand, we've never had a culture that so absolutizes individual freedom. Okay, so I, I need to be I need to be free, free to define my own identity, free to set my own life path, free to have no ceilings above me. But on the other hand, is so enslaved. Everybody here is so enslaved, enslaved to the need to be successful enslaved to the need to be significant, enslaved to the need to, to be secure. And so you, you as a believer, you might say, yes, I, I believe in what Jesus Christ did for me in his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension. But on the other hand, you, you bow down to the same gods of, of Arlington and D.C., the, the gods of endless production. And I, I don't care how non-religious you say you are, if you don't serve the God of the Bible the only God who actually gives you freedom, you are bowing down to some God. Okay, the God of personal comfort, the, the God of success, the God of autonomy. And that God will drive you into the ground every time. Because nothing you ever do will be enough. And this, this, is, one of the, this is one of the key reasons that, that anxiety is, is so rampant in Arlington. Because it's, it's, you, no one can rest. Everyone's doing, doing, doing. Pharaoh was anxious. You know that, right? He woke up in the middle of the night having dreams about Egypt falling into famine in the future, despite the, prosper, despite the prosperity he was in, because he was submitting to the God of production. And so we're, we're going to get very practical in a little bit, but none of the... Practical applications matter unless you believe and live out the gospel. Because you can, you can set the, the perfect Sabbath routine okay, throughout the week and, and, and every single weekend. But if you don't believe the gospel, how loved and adored you are because of what Jesus has done and worked for you on your behalf, you, you will never quiet the, the inner murmur, as one author put it, the inner murmur of self-reproach an anxiety that says you're not doing enough, you're not producing enough, you're not beautiful enough. So that's something you can only get in Jesus. Do you, do you, do you believe the gospel? And there, there are two things in particular that when, when you believe and live out the gospel, it wipes away that often gets in the way of your, your ability to rest. Okay? And, and that's, we've already alluded to it, but significance and security. And so th- think about significance. Why, why is it that you work? Why, why is it that you parent the way you parent? 
And for, for most of you, it's because you, you need to know you're somebody. You, you want to be seen as a good parent. You, you want to be seen as successful. You want to be seen as somebody who's actually achieved something. Somebody who works at a reputable company. And so do you work out, out of joy in what God's done for you? Or is it the, the need to prove yourself? And a... A popular illustration of this, but it's popular for good reason, is from the movie in the early 80s, Chariots of Fire. And it's based on a true story from the Olympics earlier in the 1900s. And it's about these two Olympic sprinters, uh, Harold Abrahams. I think I often say Abrams, confusing it with the Star Wars director. Harold Abrahams and, uh, and Eric Liddell. And so they, they were competitors in the 100-meter dash. And Eric Liddell was a Christian. And he, he actually gave up a gold medal because he refused to compete on the Sabbath. And when they were asked, why do you run? Harold Abrahams, what he said, as he said, I, he's talking about the 100 meter dash. He says, I have 10 lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? And then when Eric Liddell was asked, why do you run? He says, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When, when you work, do you work because you are feeling God's matchless pleasure in you? Or is, it, or is it to justify your existence to yourself, to other people? Okay, so there's there significance. That's one reason why it's so hard to rest. And then next is, is Security. So you, you, you need security. You, you need to know you have X number of months in your savings account. Okay, you need to know your, your career is locked in. You need to know your, your children are never going to be in jeopardy. So, so you don't stop working. Because if you stop working, you, you, you feel guilty or, or you feel anxious because you're thinking, well, well, I could be doing something right now to either better secure my family or secure, secure myself or, or, my, or my career. You know, you know what the gospel says? The gospel says, in God's love for you, he, he came into the world in, in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' life, he, he worked for you and obeyed God and loved neighbor perfectly. He produced for you perfectly. He worked perfectly. He, he rested all the time. And then he went to the cross, and on the cross, where, where he took on the payment for your sin, God's wrath towards sin, Jesus said, it is finished. And then he rose again from the grave. And so if you trust in Jesus, you, you are adopted into God's family. And what that means is when you are adopted into God's family, Jesus' resume becomes your resume. Let me ask you a question. Is there a resume in the world that's more significant than Jesus' resume? No, there's no resume more significant than Jesus' resume. Okay, his resume becomes yours. All the things that you failed and get, gets imputed to him. And God says, I, I promise to be unconditionally committed to you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And I will love you all the way to the end when you see me face to face in the new creation. So when you don't step away from all your frantic doing, it to, to be blunt, it... It's the, it's the most foolish thing in the world because it's like this, to, to borrow an illustration from, from, or to adapt an illustration from one of my teachers. 
Imagine you are, imagine you're at a party and Jeff Bezos is there, the founder and CEO of Amazon. Okay, and somehow you end up at the same party as him. And you, you get talking with him and you hit it off. And so he starts to open up to you and he says, you know, I'm just feeling really anxious. And you're like, why, why are you so anxious? And he goes, oh, I just, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage next month. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, provide the, the right school for my kids. And you go, what? You're, you're worth like $150 billion. What are you so restless for? But yet, how much more security and significance do you have through Jesus Christ? There's nothing compared to the significance you get in Jesus. Nothing compared to the security you get in Jesus. But yet, when you don't step away, and you keep doing, doing, doing because you're restless, it's more asinine than Jeff Bezos making a comment like that. Do, do, you, do you believe and, and live out the gospel? Do you, do you believe and live out the resurrection we just celebrated last week? All right. So to sum all this up, why does God command the Sabbath? He commands the Sabbath because it is a gift to you to celebrate the fact that you are freed from slavery, freed from serving the gods that everyone else around you is, is serving and you get to delight in God as you enjoy that freedom from slavery. Okay, so that's why God gives it. It's a gift to celebrate your freedom from slavery and delight in God. Okay, so next let, let's, let's, um, let's go into some, some practical a- a- applications. And as I go into this, so there's endless edge cases, right? I'm not going to answer every, every question that you guys have. Um, but Jason Connor is getting back from vacation tomorrow, and I'm sure he'll be ready and willing to answer all of your questions. His email is jconnor at portico. He, he won't Sabbath next week to meet with you all. Um, so, but here's what to focus on. Uh, mainly what I'm going to give you is principles, because all of you are in different stages of life, have different types of jobs. But th- these are principles that you can apply uh, pretty much regardless of what se- season of life you're in. And so I encourage you, instead of thinking, oh, what about this? What about that? Just think, okay, how is God calling me, uh, not just to obedience here, but to, but to have more joy in practicing Sabbath rest, all right? So the, the, the first principle, um, I'll, I'll give a number of them. The, the, the first principle, and here I'm going to talk to the men, and even more specifically, the, the married men. But, but if you're here and you're not married, still listen, because this, this still applies to you. So men, as a man, you are, you are called by Jesus to, to love and lead your family well. And so a, a huge part of leading and loving your family well is setting the pace here in how your family practices Sabbath rest and how you rest. Okay, so, so don't make your wife hold you accountable to resting. Don't make your wife wait, wait longer than she needs to for you to get home from work. But set, set the, the tone and, and the pace here for your family. Men, men are awful at this. Often men think, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm caring for my family by uh, providing a huge paycheck, but you're, but you're gone from your family all the time. And then you're not leading your, your family well and rest on the weekend and, and throughout the week. And some of you men, you might have a, a, a wife who has a harder time Sabbathing than you do, and you're afraid to say something because your wife is scary, and you don't know uh, how, how she's going to respond. <laughs> so, I mean, to, to be blunt, man up and just talk with your wife if she has a hard time Sabbathing. 
So, so this is the first principle is men take, take the lead here in, in, in Sabbath rest. Okay. Next, next number two is it, it is so important that, that, okay, we're back to everybody now. It, it, it is so important that you are regularly reading your Bible and praying every morning and attending worship service on, on Sundays because when, when you wake up each day, there are two competing voices. There's the voice of the prevailing culture and your own selfish desires, and then, there, then there's God's voice. And the only way that God's voice will be more clear to you and more beautiful to you is if you are hearing it and listening to it regularly. There's no way you're going to still the inner murmur of self-reproach if you're listening to, to your own thoughts of condemnation and, and the voices of people that you're working with and living near. If you're not regularly going to God in prayer, hearing from his word, and, and going to worship service. I, I hope you all view worship service as part of resting just to, to challenge you all, I know for a lot of you, it's not restful. And so, for example, when you vacation or travel for a weekend, it's, oh, whoops, I'm just going to travel into Sunday evening so I can keep resting. Right? That, that shows how, how do you view coming to worship God? The, the worship service is a, is a central way God restores you and reminds you of who he is and who you are in him. And so view this worship as, as a way you rest. So men take the lead. Number two, be, be listening to and hearing from God's voice each day, prioritizing worship service. Okay, the, the, the next one is, when you think about Sabbath, is it, it's not not doing anything. So, for example, say you're, you've chosen you know, Saturday to, to rest, to take completely off from work, and a friend calls you because their car broke down. You don't say, oh, sorry, I'm Sabbathing. I can't, can't go help you. Okay. Jesus, one of the reasons why he, he did miracles and healed on the Sabbath is he was showing, doing acts of mercy and helping others is, is part of the way you, you celebrate your freedom from self. Okay, but so if Sabbath is not doing nothing, what is it? At its heart, it's a conscious delight in the fact that God has freed you from slavery and that he's given you all the good gifts that he has, most of all, Jesus Christ. And so whatever you're doing on your Sabbath day, so yeah, whether that's going somewhere, whether it's resting at, resting at home, whether it's serving somebody, you're, you're making a conscious effort to be grateful that you can set aside all your, all, all your normal doing because of who God is and, and what he's done. Okay, so, so it's an act of conscious delight. It's not just mindlessly doing nothing. But delighting, and what, this is why, why God rested on the seventh day, right? To, to look at his creation and say, it is good. He was delighting in himself and in his creation. Okay, so, so another principle is <laughs> you're, you're going to have to exercise a lot of trust here. Trust in God. Because for, for a lot of you, when you actually set down everything and step away from it, some of you are going to panic. Many of you do, do not know how to rest and to not be available for other people. So, so when, you, when you rest, it, it, is a, it is a conscious act of trust that your value is not tied to your productivity and that you are not indispensable to running the world. God runs the world just fine without you. So when you set things aside and you start to feel that, that panic that you, you need to be doing something, Trust that the God's there saying, I'm, I'm doing just fine without you. Rest in me. 
So trust is your rest. Um, uh, next principle is it, it's it's crucial that you that you know yourself as you rest. And, and if you're married or, or you're dating somebody, you you know that person that, that you're close with. Because some of you are you're either always going out doing things with people when that's actually not restful for you. Other people may be spending alone time when that's not restful for you. So just know, do you, do you, do you recharge more by having some alone time? Do you recharge more by, by going out with people? And then be, be gracious with your, your spouse or just even somebody in your family that you love. Because often what happens when families or loved ones take vacations together is you have one person who just loves to plan everything. So at 1031, we're going to do this. And then at 1146, we're going to do this. And then we're going to meet this person and meet this person. When for the other person, it's not restful at all. But then for the person who loves to plan, it's not restful to just be. So give, give to each other. Be okay with just being and then for, for you all who love to, to just be, be, be okay with giving a day, okay, honey, you can, you can plan whatever you want today. If that is restful for you, I'll, I'll go along and do it with you. And then final principle here is, uh, to those of you with kids, some of you may, may be sitting here, you have kids, and you're just laughing like, oh, Steve, you're, you're funny talking about Sabbath rest. So here's just a couple principles. Okay, yes, it's going to look different depending on what season of life you're in, but even if you have an infant, there are still ways that you can serve one another where you give your child to the other person, even if it's just for 90 minutes getting away to do something that's enjoyable for you. And if you have older kids, some of you are really bad at getting away from your kids. And yes, 99% of your time, you need to be there present with your kids, quantity time. But if you're enslaved to your children, never being able to step away, and spend time with your spouse, then, then, you're not, then you don't know how to rest and trust in God having liberated you from slavery. And so, yes, lo- love your kids, but then be, be okay with And I know for, for you moms especially, I know there, there's a lot of pressure to with the home life, right, where this, this is where you are, this is where you're working. And so you feel so much pressure to, to keep it clean, always have things in like a well-oiled machine. It is okay for you to step away for a little bit. Go out and be with a friend. Be with your husband. God loves you. Okay, so those are some principles. Men, take the lead. Remember being regular Bible reading, prayer, worship service, hearing from God's voice. Okay, practicing conscious delight in, in however you're resting. A trusting in God that, he, that he's running the world without you just fine. Knowing yourself, knowing your spouse. And, and then practicing rest even, even when you do have children. And so those are some principles to keep in mind. And finally, just, just a couple more specific applications. So set aside at least one 24-hour block where you're not doing anything work-related, what you do for your, for your normal vocation. Okay, so no, no work text messages, emails, quick work in a spreadsheet. Set it aside. Let it be. <laughs> Celebrate your freedom from bondage. Delight in who God is. <clears throat> the next here is <clears throat> inject Sabbath into, into your work week. And so what I mean by that, it's, it's not like you're working you know, from 5 a.m. To, to 11 p.m. during the week, and then you take a 24-hour period, say 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., uh, Saturday to Sunday or, or Friday to Saturday. But inject Sabbath in your work week, meaning many of you do, do not put proper boundaries around your work even during the week. 
You spend way too much time at the office. You miss community. Okay, sometimes you're gonna. Sometimes things are gonna come up, but you may miss community regularly because you're staying there way too late. You're not loving and serving your family if you have a family. So learn to put proper boundaries around your work, even during the week. And so tied with this is, if you are if you are being loved by God and loving God and you're not enslaved to the prevailing gods of culture, you you are going to take a career hit, probably. Probably. And the question is, are you willing? Because there's there's a lot of people behind you. Are you willing to take your place? And so are are you serving the gods of the prevailing culture, the god of endless production? Or are you following Jesus? And here's what this doesn't mean. So when when your coworkers talk about you, when they think about you, here's what they should say. She shows up on time every day. She works with integrity. She works with zeal. She, she works to advance her coworkers and her boss. She, she is an excellent worker. She's not lazy. But here's what they should not say. That guy's a machine. He just, he never leaves the office. He, he, he's, he's always available. For some people, that's a badge of honor. I, I hope it's not for you. You should be an excellent worker for the 40, 50 hours a week that you're there. But people should not be looking up to you for the fact that you, that you never put things down. Okay, and then um, here's an even more specific one for this church. is a, a major way that you practice Sabbath well and learn to do it well and imbibe it in your being is to do it in community. Yeah, there are a lot of Jewish communities that do this way better than Christians do. And so, so here's one way you can practice Sabbath as a community. Is often what happens on Sunday, so in about 30 minutes here, is those with children and those without children go their separate ways. Okay, so either singles or married without kids. And then those who have kids, they, they go their separate ways. So what I'd like to, to challenge and encourage you to do is stop and spend time together. Because the Lord's Day is not about your individual freedom. It's about spending time together with the people of God and delighting in God as you do it. And yes, parents, I I know there's nap time. I I know there's things to be done, but invite those without kids into the messiness of your real life and and learn to to be the family of God in in, in the truest sense of the word. Not bifurcating those who who have kids and don't, but but spending time with with others. And maybe it's not on Sunday right after church. Maybe it's on Saturday. I encourage you to to do it on on the Lord's Day because there's there's something powerful in that. But spend time with with one another. And you know what? This is going to mean planning ahead. So you're not thinking about the the 50 chores and and errands you have to go run out and do after church. You have to be very intentional with Sabbathing. It's just... Spend time with, with, with the family of God. Okay? Be, be okay with being able to take a, a hit in a, in a career. Um, I'll just be honest. I don't normally use names here, but Elder Jeff Peck, uh, lay elder here, he does an amazing job at embodying this. So, Jeff, wherever you are, thank you for being an example to me. Because um, Jeff works hard, works diligently, but, but when the workday is done, he leaves to go care for his family. And from what I've gathered, it, he may not have progressed as quickly as he could have because of it. That, that, is, that is faithful obedience responding to God liberating you from slavery. 
Okay, so, and, and, and finally, th- think about how this, this serves as a witness. So when, when God says keep the Sabbath holy, that word holy means set apart. So why God, the reason why God set a lot of these, these laws for the Israelites is to make them a light to the nations so people would see that they're countercultural living and be attracted to God. Jesus gets at this as well in Matthew 5 when, when he says you, you are salt and light, meaning you are a counterculture to the people around you. And so how Christians often think about being a counterculture, being set apart, is you think, okay, well, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to swear as much as my, you know, friends and coworkers. Or I'm not going to have the same sex, sex ethic, or I'm going to be generous with my money. And, and th- those are good things to do. But are you set apart in the way that you rest, in the way that you don't enshrine your career and, and work above everything else? So that is a, a powerful way to point people to Christ. And so when, when you put proper boundaries around your work and celebrate the fact God has liberated you from slavery and you are delighting in God, that, that will make the world be puzzled around you, but, but they, they, they will see the beauty in it. And what, what a, a wonderful way to point people to Jesus, your resurrected king. Because the Sabbath is a gift to celebrate the fact that you are liberated from slavery and to delight in God. Let's go to God in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for freeing us uh, from slavery, most of all being enslaved to sin and death through what you did for us, through the work of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection, Lord. Um, I pray for everybody in here, myself included, Lord, that uh, we will not see this as a gray area uh, filled with maybes and what-ifs and clauses, but it's very black and white. And so help us to obey starting immediately uh, in response to the love that you have showered upon us. Help us to hold one another accountable and to encourage each other in this, in the community, and um, just help us to be at rest uh, as a result in resting in who you are. And it's in the name of Jesus, our risen and most high King, we pray. Amen.